Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Man, I'm ready to preach. I have just been, uh, I love this Sunday. It's the Sunday of Advent. Uh, and it's the Sunday of love. It's the Sunday that we begin to wrap things up for think, Christmas Eve and all of that. But I always like saving <clears throat> John's gospel to this Sunday. All the other gospels tell kind of the same story, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John doesn't go through any of that. So I, I like waiting to, to this Sunday, and I, I've got some ideas here that I think are uh, powerful. So we're going to read we're going to read the first five verses, and then we're going to read 14 and 16 out of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. Wow. In the beginning was the Word, and that little Word made light, but the Word became flesh, a human, and lived among us. We saw His glory, the glory that belongs to the only Son of the Father. He was full of grace and truth. And then verse 16, and of His fullness we have all received grace for grace. Of His fullness we have all... Merry Christmas. He, he didn't just give you a little bit. Of His fullness. I mean, He didn't hold anything back, Right? couple stories. Two little boys they are spending a night at grandmother's house just a week or so before Christmas and grandma tucks them into the bed and then she goes upstairs or wherever to go to sleep and, and they're saying their prayers and uh, the youngest of the two little boys was praying and he said, dear God and he, he started yelling at, dear God I want a bicycle for Christmas and the other little boy looked at him and says uh, brother God's not deaf and the younger brother said, I know, but I think Grandma is. <laughs> Man, they get smart fast, right? Sometimes I wonder if we just bypass God. Sometimes I wonder if we stay like those two little boys. We get real loud because we don't even believe God's listening, right? Which brings me to my second story. I, I learned a bittersweet thing in the third grade in Severy, Kansas. And if you don't know where Severy, Kansas is, you have missed a highlight of Kansas. It's on the map. It really is. And when I went to grade school there back in the 60s, there were nine kids in my class. I think there were 54 in the entire building, K through 8 or something. And there were nine kids. And we were in Mrs. Henderson's third grade class. I still remember Mrs. Henderson. And uh, she had us draw names. You know how you draw names for presents when you're in grade school? And you, the day came where we were going to exchange gifts. And, you know, I, I don't remember now. You had to spend just this much money. And so, and so she started pulling presents out from under the tree and she gets down to one present left and uh, I knew the present because my mother had wrapped it. It was my present. And she turned around and she said, Quentin, she said uh, Aaron's not here. And Aaron obviously got your name and you obviously got Aaron's name. So I guess you get to get the present that you bought for Aaron. The bittersweet lesson I learned right there was you want to pay attention to what present you're buying for other people because you may end up with the present that you bought for. 
I love John. He just begins with the word was in the beginning. He doesn't go through the details of mangers, of virgins, of shepherds, of angels. He doesn't go through any of that. He just simply begins in the beginning. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. That sentence is the essence of all faith. Have you got it on the screen? Uh, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's crazy. Because I'm telling you, most reasonable, scientific, enlightened people today do not believe that God created heaven and earth. They believe in something called a bang. But in the beginning, God was there. And John just starts off and says, if I'm going to tell you the story about Christmas and the Christ, i got to tell you about creation. In the beginning was God. And all things that were made were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. You see, there's no way to even talk about Christmas if you don't understand how creation came into being. Creation came into being because God was there in the beginning. The Word, the Word was with God. The Word was God. And he spoke. You see, God never does anything except through his Word. I wonder sometimes if we have lost our appreciation for the Word of God. I sometimes wonder if we get caught up in the rabbit trails of mangers and angels and shepherds. I, I don't want to discredit that, and I'm sure John didn't. But John knew that had already been talked about. John knew other people had already given those stories and that those stories fulfilled many of the prophecies of the Old Testament. But John goes before the prophets. John doesn't just tell us about how the birth of Christ fulfilled the stories of the prophets, he goes back to the original statement. In the beginning was the Word. And he starts at that point, I think so that we could remember, like Isaiah said, so the Word that goes out of my mouth will not return unto me void, but will accomplish whereunto I have sent it. In other words, when you hear God speak a Word, that Word is going to do something. That word is not a passive thing. Word of God is even greater than the names you know about God. Because in the beginning, it did not give a name. In the beginning, it just says the word was. It's the word. My dad taught me that your word is who you are. That if you give your word, that's who you are. I remember the day we put my dad in the ground and men walked by me and said, well, Mansell may have been one of the last men that I could do a whole job by handshake. And that really was, I remember my dad with his finger in my chest going, did we give our word? Because I stand there going, hey, this is costing more. They've done this. And he'd be thumping me in the chest going, son, I gave my word. Now go do that. He magnified his word above his name. It says the word of God is settled forever in heaven. Have you ever met anybody you never did know what they meant? One day they were saying this, next day they were saying this, next day they were saying this, and over here they were saying this, and then they were tweeting that, and then they were tweeting this, and then they were tweeting that, and you never knew what was right. The Bible says that God's Word is settled forever. His yes means yes, His no means no. That's the way it is. In the beginning was the Word. He sent His Word, and He healed us. He sent his word and he delivered us from destruction. The centurion said, just speak a word. This is crazy. 
This is crazy that there's an invisible being who just by a word can create heaven and earth. This is crazy that an invisible being who we have never seen can speak a word and bring healing. The entrance of my word brings light. This is nuts. It's beyond the comprehension of the gray matter between our ears. That in the beginning was a word, and the words that I speak are life to you. He who finds them has life. Now, John doesn't get caught up in the scene. John just simply says, in him was life, and that life was the light of the world. In the word of God is life, humanity, and illuminating man. Verse 5 says, and when it shines, that darkness cannot overcome it. John is so clear. He says, listen, wherever the word comes, there's life. And wherever the word comes, there is light. And darkness cannot overcome it. Darkness cannot extinguish it. Darkness cannot overpower it. Darkness will have to flee. First John says, for God is light, and in him there is no darkness. In other words, when the light breaks into the darkness of humanity, the darkness itself loses its grip. When you turn these lights on, darkness has to go. You see, darkness is not darkness. It really is just the absence of light. You introduce light to it, and there is no more darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and He spoke, and the light came. And John simply says, and today, all of that creative reality, all of that power, all of that thunder, all of that life, all of that life has become a man. All of that energy has now become that which he created. The man that God formed out of the dust, God now is in that man. Merry Christmas. We have forgotten the reality of what Christmas is. There is a great song, I, I don't know, Now in Flesh Appearing. Anybody know that song? Oh, come, oh, come. Let us adore. We sang, we updated it a bit this morning. See, flesh that manifests the light of God, flesh that reflects the power and the life of God. Christmas is so much more than the birth of a baby. Christmas is the manifestation of the light and the life and the reality of the Word who is God. Christmas is the celebration that God turned the lights back on in our world. That he came to restore that energy that was creative and that now is recreative. That the entrance of his word into any heart today illuminates and empowers us once again. Oh, come on. How many of you, you remember the story about the little boy that was afraid of the dark? And dad finally said, there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is with you. And the little boy says, yeah, but I, can you send mama in here? I need Jesus with skin. Christmas is how God becomes enfleshed, how, how, how we can touch him, John will say in 1 John. We touched him, and we handled him, and we, we heard him, and we experienced him. That Christmas is far more than the birth of a baby. It's God entering into our lives, God penetrating the darkness. All the way through the scriptures, there's this story of darkness versus light, and light versus darkness. Genesis, in the beginning was God, and God created the heavens and the earth and the formlessness and the void, and the darkness covered the deep, 
darkness, that evil, that, that place where hidden things go on, that darkness was there, but when God spoke, light came into the reality of it. That was the beginning. Did you know on the last page of the thing you call your Bible, it says this in Revelation 22, 5, and there will be no more night. Wow. In the beginning, God created a day and night and the light penetrated, but half the time is dark and half the time is light. But when this thing comes to a close, there'll be no more night and there'll be no more light of a lamp or a sun, but the Lord will be the light. At the end of this thing, darkness will have no share of time. At the end of this thing, we won't sleep because there's no sun. No, at the end of this thing, there's nothing but light. In the beginning, light came. But in the end, there'll be no more darkness. You see, Christmas highlights the war that goes on between darkness and light. Matthew just simply says, the people that sat in great darkness have now seen a great light. And John begins to tell us, that you and I have marked time as Christmas being the end of the year. Hmm. But Christians mark time as Christmas being the beginning. That Advent is the beginning of the Christian experience. That the birth of Christ is the beginning, the reset, the do this over, the recreation, if we will. And yet that's hard to appreciate if we don't understand that God has come into the darkness of humanity. And that humanity is dark, that it lives in this wicked, deep darkness, the proverb writer says. I love what John says. says, he who hates his brother walks in darkness. Man, there's a lot of darkness in the world today. They're not like me. They're not like me. I got to tell you, I am so sick of the last 10 years, the last 10 years of comparative humanity that side and this side and that color and that color and that. And I, I got to tell you, that's darkness. To enter into that conversation is to live in darkness. We have to redefine darkness. Darkness is anyone that compares himself, points at, looks at that. Any man who does that lives in darkness. Jesus describes hell as outer darkness, chaos, <laughs> The absence, if you will, of life and light. The Psalms always talk about how the Lord who lights up my darkness. I love Micah. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy, when I fall, for I shall arise again. You remember that little verse? But here's the second half of the verse that never gets quoted. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Man, we've been sitting in some darkness. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. We've been living in the midst of this chaotic darkness for a while. And yet when I sit in darkness, the Lord is my light. He, he, in whom shall I fear? And he shows up and said, I am the light of the world. See, if we read our Bible for very long, we'll find out that the Old Testament believers lived through the trials and the darkness of their journey, believing that there was a Messiah coming who would restore, and they thought it had to do with governments. No, he was going to restore the light to the world. He was going to turn the lights back on. He wasn't going to do or finish what they had started. He was going to recover what Christmas really is, 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 is the light of God piercing the darkness of humanity. That's what it really is. 
It's when God throws the lights on. It's been amazing to me over the course of my career how many people go, why do we celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December? Well, that's not even hard to figure out. Because on the 25th day of December, the winter solace takes place. Up until December the 25th, the nights have gotten longer. The days have gotten shorter. Uh, It just keeps. But on December 25th, there's a turning point that takes place. And the days get longer. And the light shines longer. Christmas is a, that's why we celebrate. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah, God never misses a point to make to us. All it takes is to look just a little bit and you realize that he was never going to tell them the exact date he was born, but he was going to use nature to reveal who he is. That creation was how he made himself known. And through the simplicity of these realities of nature, you see God told in that story. And so the light shines in this darkness, but there's this great line, and darkness could not comprehend it. You know how many people are going to miss the point of Christmas this year? They're going to miss it. They're going to miss it because they, 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 most of the time you have to linger a little bit in the darkness to appreciate the light. Right? You know, all you have to do is walk through your house with the lights off thinking you know what's there, stub your toe and realize you needed a light. Right? No one's ever done that, right? I can remember being a kid growing up in Severy, Kansas, and it'd start raining. And in the middle of the storm, you know, there, it's just clouds. It's really dark, and we didn't have all these outside lights on. It was sun. Go out and roll up the windows. And how are you going to do that? Well, you waited till the lightning flashed, and you could locate the propane tank. So that you could run a little ways, then you stopped and you waited for another lightning to flash, and then you run a little further, but you forgot the clothesline was there. <laughs> Never mind. Light shines into darkness, but we fail to comprehend it. But all the way through the scriptures, we're told that God is with us in those moments of great darkness called the valley of the shadow of death. That though we sit in darkness, the light is with us. Christmas is the breaking forth of that light. Peter says he calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Merry Christmas. Paul talks about, for once you were in darkness, but now you are the light of the world. Walk as children in the light. Paul should know he had an experience where the light got so bright that it stopped him. A salvific reality is when the light shines into your life and it reveals to you the darkness that you have accepted as normal. So many times we get so used to the darkness that we just maneuver through the darkness thinking everything. Can I just say to you, brothers and sisters, we should not accept the darkness that has been forced on us as being normal. Well, everybody does it. No, everybody doesn't do that. My mama told me that, and she was right. No, everybody doesn't live like that. Everybody doesn't live like you can just, no. But see, we have to call darkness, darkness. I I love what John Newton says. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. There are sometimes I want to look at Christians and say, did you ever have that happen to you? Maybe you need to have that happen to you. That you once were, maybe we ought to see things for the way they are. 
I love John because John doesn't get caught up in the mangers and all that. As much as I love it, John just goes to the point of it and says, the word, the life, the light, behold the lamb. In the beginning was the word. And that word is life, and that word is light, and look, it's the Lamb. And he's going to take away the sin of the world, which is the acceptance of darkness. He's going to take that away. How? By illuminating it. And then he goes on to say, unless you're born again, you can't see the darkness. You can't see the kingdom to move out of that state of darkness into the reality that we are called to live and to walk in the light of Christ. Years and years ago, I just told this story a few days ago. Years and years ago, I woke up, I had this just vision. It wasn't a dream, it was a vision. And have you ever seen those things? You pull the stair down and you go up into the attic. Nobody wants to do that, right? But you pull the stairs down and you go up into the attic. And in this vision, I went up the attic and I turned the light, pull chain, anybody? And you pull the pull chain on. And the minute I pulled the pull chain on, you could see all the dust and all the dirt. Have you ever been in your attic? It'll, it'll frighten you. And, and my first reaction was to turn it back off. I don't want to see that. And just turn it off, go downstairs and shut the... You see, we have to face the stuff that's in the attic of our minds. We have to face the dust and the cobwebs and the stuff we've packed away. We have to face that. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me, he will never live or walk in darkness. I think there becomes a moment where we have to say yes to Jesus and face those cobwebs. Face that dust that's built up in our lives. Because in a moment, Christ is going to say, ye are the light of the world, a city built on a hill. You can't remain. You can't remain in the darkness. You have to See, Christmas and Christmas Eve specifically, that that night of his birth, there's two movements going on. There's that movement to accept the Christ, and then there's that movement to reflect the Christ. And I would dare say that you can't have one without the other. That to accept the Christ, but to remain in darkness, there's something wrong with that. To accept the Christ and then reflect the Christ... That's the movement of Christmas. That when the light comes into your life, you have to face the darkness that's around you. You have to look at the darkness that, to accept the fact that the Son of God comes, we must then begin to walk as children of God. We must begin to face those things. There's two kinds of darkness. There's moral darkness. That's person upon person. That moral darkness where one brother hurts another brother the vicious terrorist attacks, the child abuse. That's flesh on flesh, right? I mean, somebody hurts somebody else. Those selfish, random acts of human deplorable things. The second kind of darkness is just stuff you can't control. Viruses. I I didn't do that to you. You didn't do that to me. I mean, uh, uh, there just seems to be a darkness that is in the system and the air and the enemy and We have to be willing to look at those things and acknowledge that there are things that lie hidden in the lives of humanity. And the only thing evil needs to do to triumph is that good people do nothing. 
I'll tell you that my concern as I grow into my 60s is I've watched a lot of people just stay silent. I've watched a lot of people just be silent. And can I tell you, darkness will continue to live if we remain silent. Darkness will continue to prevail unless we're willing to reflect the light of God and say, let there be light in the midst of this thing. Because light comes to drive out the darkness in my life and in the world in which I live. Christmas actually is not as silent as we like to think of it. It really isn't. I mean, the angel gave the announcement and the heavens filled with angels singing, glory to God. That's not silent night. Silent night is the way we like to portray it. But it really isn't. It is God piercing the silence. We've yet to recognize, maybe we're beginning to, that you know, nothing grows without light. Nothing can mature and grow. Can I tell you, your children will never become, your, your grandchildren will never become uh, mature unless they can appreciate the light. And I believe that the reason John tells the story of Christmas the way he tells it is it's too easy to stay in the little stories of the shepherds. It's too easy to remain in the story of the angels and the stars. That's too easy. But to confront it and let John say, wait a minute, this is about you accepting and walking in this light. That's the only way that you can grow. We've begun to understand how powerful light is if it's controlled. That light is so powerful. It, it, look what it's doing. That light, if it's, if it's concentrated, it concentrated, it becomes a laser beam and they can literally do surgeries in your body with the power of light. No, no, that, that, that. don't miss the reality that Christmas is the reintroduction of the power of God into human flesh. That when Christ becomes a human being, what he's really doing is saying human beings are filled with the power of God. That you and I have been tricked into believing that there is something other than power available to us. Christ literally becomes the transformer of the power of the word into the flesh so that you can receive it. And you can transform the same power into the life of other people. So, if you knew you had to receive the gift that you were buying for somebody else, what would you give? Right? If you knew the last present under the tree was the one you bought for Aaron, would you have paid more attention to the gift that you bought? I want to suggest to you that Christmas is when God gave the gift that he would give himself. I want to suggest that when Christmas began, it was God giving himself the gift that he wanted, a son. And what he wants us to give to him this Christmas is a son or a daughter. He gave a son that he could receive many sons. His son came to be the light to the world that we would become sons and daughters of great light that would pierce darkness in our community called Hutchinson or wherever you're at. That's the gift of Christmas is a son who is the light of the world, children who light up the world, 
children who will no longer live in the darkness and call it normal. But will stand there and illuminate the situation. Verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right or the power to become sons and daughters of God. Wow! I remember watching the Merv Griffin show. Anybody ever watch the Merv Griffin show? And Merv Griffin, you know, he was before Jay Leno. He was before, I don't even know the idiots that are on now. Uh, they're not funny. They're just sarcastic. And Merv Griffin, and he's got muscle-bound, you know, weightlifter. And, and Merv Griffin's center going, well, what do you use those for? And they went, and he goes, no, 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 you misunderstood the question. What do you use those for? And they stood there quietly. I'll never forget this segment. It's my question to some of you and to you. He gave you the power to be sons of God. He gave you the power to be the light of the world. Are you just posing? Oh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's Christmas. I don't think we're here posing for snapshots, waiting on the train to the north or to heaven, whatever that. No, I don't think so. I think it was God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, which has shown into our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. I think that we are here to shine as sons and daughters of God. I think that is what Christmas is all about, is for us to reset our minds, to reset our hearts, to turn the switch again, to realize that God gave himself the gift that he would give the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that flooding you with light, you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. We could reset our lives at Christmas. We could allow this not to be the end of a year that we all disliked, but the beginning of a time when we will no longer allow darkness to rule our lives. That we ourselves become the light of the world. What does that mean? Where we see poverty, we try to help it. Where we see injustice, we stand against it. Am I making, where we see abuse, we, we stand up. We no longer remain silent in the darkness and act like it's okay. Am I making any sense? Just as he gave his son, I think we ought to give him back his sons and daughters. I have people all the time saying, why didn't God do something? Why did he let that happen? Why did he let that happen? No, 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 no. God did something. It is his plan. He sent his son that he could have many sons. We're his plan. And if we remain in darkness, then darkness remains. If we remain silent, then the silence remains. But if in the beginning he spoke the word, and if in the middle the word came and began to speak, I am here to preach the good news of the gospel, then we are here 
to shine as lights into the midst of the darkness and all the injustices that are on and that are in the world. That's our calling. And I am amiss at being a preacher of the gospel and a prophet for the king if I don't say, come on, let your light so shine before men that they might see the good works of the Father. This is a moment for us. So, you can pick up your communion bread and you can break bread with one another. And on Christmas Eve, you can light a candle and you can remember that you're the light. And you could walk to the end of your driveway and it, no one else might notice, but you do. You know that you're making a statement that as we continue to live, we will be the light of the world. And it sets the devil on notice. Stop it. Stop it. Because we're going to speak up and say, healing be there instead of sickness. We're going to speak up and say, no, no, no. The provision of God be there in that poverty. No, 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 no. We're not going to. We're going to be the light. I believe it's God's big idea. So in summary, accept the light. Allow it to illuminate your lives. Walk in that light and share that light with other people. And that's more than just manger scenes. It's in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word is God. Speak that Word. Take back, take back the privilege of speech. Let's make it honorable again. Let's use our words to give life and not death. Let's use our words to bring encouragement and not discouragement. Christians, we can change the world with just the words of our mouth. Let the light shine in Jesus' name. And there will be no more night for the Lord himself will be the light of the world. Father, I thank you this morning for Christmas. I thank you that you broke into our darkness, that you begin to speak again the words that brought healing and life to us. Thank you for giving us your son, the gift that you would have given yourself. We come this morning to give you that gift, to give you our lives, our flesh, that, Father, you would have many sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me this morning. If you're at home. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show, and it'll just drop right into your feed, and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you, and you can become one of our givers, and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless, and I'll see you next time.